disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. All right, so you guys know that I have lately loved the paranormal for some reason. It's just fun to talk about, and it's a break from the hard scrabble red team versus blue team politics that's going on in the world right now, and which is important stuff, and we're going to continue to talk about that important stuff. But sometimes it's fun to just sit back and talk about stuff that uh, we can argue over that doesn't lead to us, you know, stabbing each other or whatever. So uh, I wanted to bring on. I'm. Uh, pretty excited about this guest, uh, Cliff Barrickman. He is uh, he is one of the hosts, one of the cast of the show Finding Bigfoot on Animal Planet, and um, he has a Bigfoot museum in California. He's one of the researchers. He's been researching this stuff for a long time. He's a, an interesting background, and um, and it's just a fun conversation. And so what we were talking about was a couple of things about with regards to like how the show is designed and whether or not they're faking the noises that they hear and the evidence that they find. And then and then I ask him the question, the question of all skeptics. And that is, if there is a Bigfoot, why have we not found a body? And his answer is intriguing. But first, big thank you to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Uh, they have been with us for, gosh, coming up on half a year now. And I, look, they sponsored me when I was on the radio in Louisville, and um, I have been a customer of theirs and would be again in a heartbeat. I mean, obviously, I live a thousand miles away now, but I just got to tell you that this is Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, their work ethic, their quality uh, assurance, their customer service, their what I like to call... Um, SOS, it's or excuse me, SAS, SAS, the SAS. It's the service after the sale. All of these things stack up to being an awesome organization. And I've seen that firsthand. I've experienced it. So that's why I can tell you that. If you're thinking about remodeling your kitchen, call them now. 502-930-3304. Talk to George, Kelly, or Michelle. Tell them you heard about it on the disruption zone. And uh tell them that you're looking to do a, a total redesign of your kitchen. Or Maybe you're just looking for countertops. That's cool. Maybe you like the layout. You just want the countertops replaced. You want a new sink, all that kind of stuff. They'll do it for you. Or maybe you're a contractor or a do-it-yourself or you got everything planned out already. You just need the parts and materials. They've got high-quality, affordable cabinets on uh, in stock ready for you today. So go to LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. Stop by the showroom at 6200 Hit Lane. Or call 502-930-3304. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Proud to work with them here on the Disruption Zone. All right, now our awesome conversation with the great Cliff Barrickman of Finding Bigfoot. Cool, let's roll here. Okay. All right, for those of you who love the paranormal and love the show Finding Bigfoot, guess what? Their entire cast is going to be here in Lexington this fall because we're all excited that COVID is over and we can now finally maybe potentially uh, go to an event or two. And this is going to be a great one. It's going to be CryptidCon put on by my friend Lee Kirkland here in Lexington. And the entire cast of Finding Bigfoot is going to be here. One of those is uh, Cliff Brackman. And I love this guy because I've watched this show for a long time. And I just want to welcome you to the program. How are you, sir? 
I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for coming on. Okay, so let's dive into this because I think the first question anybody's going to ask that has seen uh, Finding Bigfoot is how much of that show is staged and how much of it is real? Oh, um, that's a great question because so many television shows are just full of nonsense. You know, they're even quote unquote reality shows. Um, but our show is. Uh, it, when it came to Sasquatch stuff, it's 100% legit, right. 100% legit, Like uh, because they uh, hired real Bigfooters, essentially. Bobo, Matt, and I have been um, researching Sasquatches for decades. Now, Renee um, is, is interested in the Sasquatch thing, but she doesn't even think they're real, so she's not <laughs> right. quite a researcher in, the, in that sort of way. Right. Um, you know, I'm not trying to slight her at all, but, you know, she's there to balance the rest of us out as the skeptic who, who needs more than what uh, most evidence can give. Um, but when it came to Sasquatch stuff, we never lied once on camera. I mean, it, even to the point where I remember one time we had to do some product promotion thing about putting candy bars around or something <laughs> like that. And, um, and they, they said, the, the producers, and we kind of moaned about it for a second, and the producers said, just, we'll just put it out and film it, and we'll pick it up and go. And even at that level, we said, no, that's unacceptable. This is Bigfoot. It deserves better. And we put the, we put the candy bars or whatever it was out, put cameras on it for a few days, and then came back just in case, you know, because right. we wanted to give it a real try. Right. So when it came to Bigfoot stuff, it's 100% legitimate. Um, we may be incorrect or wrong, but we never lied. And I'm the first to admit, you know, it's television. Yeah, we, maybe we didn't have to take a speedboat to get to the final night investigation spot, you know? That's <laughs> right. television. Right. I understand the, the value of a good story hook, you know? Because I was an elementary school teacher before I was on Finding Bigfoot. So I understand, you know, engage the audience. Let's all have fun together and learn about something. But when it came to Bigfoot, um, not only did we not lie, we absolutely refused to lie or stretch the truth. So, well, and I think, I think you make that. an important distinction, too. There's certain things that are obviously going to be staged for the effect of the show, like the speedboat scene or, you know, various oh, yeah, different scenes. things out of order is another yeah. good example. Yeah. Because you know, sometimes the production schedule demands it, and that's the job part of it. But when we're out in the woods or we're looking at evidence or we're talking to witnesses, it's all, uh, it's all legit. So one of the things that you guys do, and, I, and the reason I'm asking this is because, again, I want to make sure that, you know, people have a opportunity because I'm, I'm trying to think what the listener would ask. And if you've watched the show, you guys usually do a town hall wherever you're going to try to find these things. And I've had people ask the question, well, what if what they're hearing in the woods is just people from the town hall going out and making noises? So they think that's what's happening. How do you guys my understanding is you guys actually keep your location secret. How do you guys yeah, yeah. how do you guys do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and, and we got better and better at it as time went on. You know, being uh, being legitimate Bigfooters, Bobo, Matt, and I are wildly paranoid people. You know, we're always on the uh, we're always on the alert for hoaxes and all that sort of stuff. And the production company, you know, as good as they are, they were new to Bigfooting when they picked us up, and we had to start Bigfooting with them. And the producers out in the fields and out in the woods with us, um, they had to learn a lot about Bigfoot um, along the way, and it was it was a hard lesson to learn very very fast. Um, but over it didn't take them very long, you know. By the time I think I want to say season two, I think it was season two. Um, somebody found out where we were, and they were out there waiting for us at our night investigation spot. 
Um, well, we, we figured that out pretty fast. I mean, because right. again, we are wildly paranoid people always looking for hoaxes. We figured it out. Okay. This, this area is contaminated. So we only spent like an hour at that location. And then we made the entire production company pick up and move locations about 30 miles away. If I remember right, um, to a new spot where nobody knew we were going to be because even we didn't know we were going to be there. Yeah. Um, and so awesome. that was a big lesson for the production company, um, and, and us as well. But, you know, we were expecting hoaxes at some point. Yeah. But eventually, um, we the the producers, um, and it didn't take long. We had really solid, great producers. Um, they didn't take long, and they started making sure that uh, we had permits for three or four, or five different areas, five different national forests. In a lot of cases, nice. They spent a lot of money getting these permits, and because we didn't know exactly where we would go. That's one of the great things about the show is that the uh, the, the town hall meetings. Um, yeah, we had a couple people that we knew were going to show up and share their specific stories because we had to make sure that we had our bases covered. You know, yep. we had to make sure that if nobody else showed up at all, we had some good solid witnesses that we could do follow-ups on, right. but we never know who else would show up. Yeah. And sometimes they brought in evidence and photographs and locations and sighting reports that happened pr- perhaps the previous day sometimes. And then the production company would actually let us choose, let the cast members choose what we're going to go investigate. And even though that might derail the entire plan that they had all along, they would still let us prove, so, or go, go check out what's going on at that one location, um, which says a lot, again, for the production company and, the tr- and us, the cast members, and the trust that we eventually got between the two. Um, and just the spontaneity of the show and how you can't plan some things. Right. Um, so it was, it was a joy to work with these people, and they really accommodated us on a lot of levels. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're talking with Cliff, uh, Cliff Brockman. He is uh, one of the cast of Finding Bigfoot, which you've seen on television. Um, I love the show. Uh, so I'm, I would consider myself an open-minded skeptic. You know, I, I don't necessarily believe in Bigfoot, but I'm fascinated with with the uh, the shows that surround it, and I'm entertained by it. But I, I will tell you this, um, the, the weirdest, because I've had Dr. Jeff Moldrum on, who I'm sure you know who he is, um, from Idaho State University uh, a couple of times. And he was part of a documentary that I showed my wife, who she's very, she's very straight, logical. There's not a logical explanation for everything. That's not true. And I'm the kind of like the dreamer going, but what if, right? This documentary where they were, you know, in a place up in Canada where they knew that there was nobody around, there were no roads, and something from the woods was throwing rocks on top of the cabin. <laughs> I was like, I looked over at her, and she, for the first time, I saw like a little bit of doubt in her eyes, like maybe, maybe there is something out there we don't know what it is. What's have you ever seen or come into contact with something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've seen one Sasquatch um, through a thermal imager. It wasn't a great sighting or anything like that. Um, it, certainly it was either a human being or a Sasquatch, but whatever it was, um, was walking without a light, uh, at two 30 in the morning across a wooded hillside at a place where no one knew we were going to be. And we got vocalizations off that same hill and stuff. So, I mean, I can't be a hundred percent sure right. because again, it wasn't a nice daylight sighting from 30 feet. It was uh, about 70 yards away through a thermal imager, but, um, it was unquestionably either a Sasquatch or a human. And when you look at the context, I lean towards Sasquatch and, you know, that's, that's the honest truth. But other than that, yeah, I, I've tracked them. I've smelled them. I've had rocks thrown at me. I've been screamed at from close range. You know, I, um, I've cast their footprints. Um, I've spoken to thousands, literally thousands of people who have shared their experiences. And those people don't have anything to gain from me, man. I, right. Certainly they have a lot to lose. 
but uh, not to not they don't have anything to gain. So yeah, yeah, I've had a lot of experiences with Sasquatches over the years. But you know, I've been doing it for what twenty six or seven years now. Yeah, you, know, you start accumulating experience after that, that amount of time. So you live um, in Oregon, which is yeah. one of the areas where you know, obviously, um, what was that? Uh, what was that movie from back in the day when we were kids? Um, the family that that had the Sasquatch with them, uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, Harry it. and the Hendersons. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So you live in Oregon. That's obviously a place where there's been a lot of uh, sightings. Here in Kentucky, um, Anderson County is supposedly one of the places where it's seen a lot. I live in Colorado. Um, if there's Squatch country, it's like that, right? I mean, I don't think people really have a good idea of how much wilderness there is in the American West. That being said, where do you think something like this would live most likely? Oh, like any other large mammal, it lives in suitable habitat. Um, it needs food, water, and cover. Those are the top three things that they would be looking for. Um, and certainly we find that its habitat is kind of continent-wide as long as there's enough food, water, and cover for them. Right. Um, you know, states like, uh, I don't know, Kansas, for example, they may have very spotty sighting histories, you know, because there's not a lot of habitat for them. But the, the very, very few sightings that do come out of there that seem legitimate are always along the, like the riverbeds, for example, down right. by the water, down by where all the plants are grown, not, right. not in the fields and all that sort of stuff. Um, and also, they're mostly concentrated, uh, let me think, in southeast Kansas, if I remember right, because that pushes up against Oklahoma and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but you, you go to a state like Kentucky, I mean, gosh, Kentucky in July, it might as well be like Vietnam or some other yeah, tropical Yeah, it's very jungly. You know, jungly country. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, some of the best stuff um, in the last decade has been coming out of Kentucky. Um, but that's because there's a small community up in Trimble County. Um, um, and there's a Bigfooter up there named Tom Shea, yeah, no who one. Uh, has time on his hands because he's a retired military guy, and he has seen these animals before, and he knows they're real, and it's a small community. And when he hears about something, he goes out and investigates as soon as he can. And over the years, he has cast dozens and dozens of footprints, and nobody even knows who this guy is, man. He's like fly- flying below the radar. <laughs> but oftentimes, the best researchers do. Yeah, you know? I've and, actually uh, had so Tom on as a guest before. Yeah, I've actually had Tom on as a guest before. I lived for a while in Oldham County, which is uh, really just one county over. There's Henry County, and then Trimble is next to that. And um, I was towards the Henry County side of Oldham County, so you're starting to get very rural uh, in that area. It's also very hilly, and there's a lot of forest when you get down by the Ohio River that follows that, that, that river, the border of Kentucky and Ohio. So that's, that's interesting. Um, why have we never, and we're talking with uh, Cliff Barackman. Uh, he, of course, is one of the cast of Big, uh, Finding Bigfoot. Why have we never gotten a body? I know you get that question a lot, but, but that's one that burns on people's minds. A lot of people that are skeptics will say, well, we've never had a body, so clearly, uh, clearly they don't exist. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is a vexing problem, to say the least, um, that nobody has bothered, not, not so much nobody has bothered killing one, but nobody has succeeded in killing one and bringing in a large piece of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's what it takes, unfortunately. That's, that's what science demands. I don't like it. I'm not a gun guy myself. If you I, have a I would never consider myself a gun guy. Right. You know, um, so I'm not, I, so because I know that the only way, the only path towards academic acceptance 
of the species is a dead one. It's called a holotype, the one that you cut up and dissect and write a paper about. I know that that's the only pathway towards scientific acceptance of the species. So I can't even say that I'm trying to prove the species because I'd be lying. Right. And that's one of the things you just can't do in Bigfoot is lie about stuff. So uh, I'm here to educate. But as far as like why a body hasn't been found in the woods or something, well, it has a lot to do with, uh, number one, um, hunters are not the, um, the, the gun-toting hillbillies that the media portrays them as. You know? <laughs> right, right. Um, like, the first rule of hunting, and every hunter um, knows this or should know this, the very, very first rule of hunting is you never pull the trigger on something unless you know exactly what it is that you're shooting. Right, right. right. It's common sense. Right. Um, but, but gosh darn it, Sasquatches look a lot like people wearing monkey suits. Right. You know? So if you're sitting in your tree stand and one of these things walks by and you get the dollar bill in your brain thinking, well, I could be rich if I shoot this, and you you, you put your scope on this thing, are you so sure right. that it's a Sasquatch? And your one deer bullet is going to bring it down, by the way, which right. is another challenge. Are you so sure you're going to pull the trigger? Because it may or may not be, it's a gray area, whether Sasquatches are legal to shoot or not. But it is absolutely illegal to shoot jackasses in monkey suits. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, that's a great point. Um, and, and also in defense of hunters, because I am one, uh, you're yeah. so right about the idea of always making sure that you know what it is you're shooting. And I also think that, you know, if you're a human being with a heart and a soul, uh, there's going to be uh, you're going to have a little check in your spirit before you shoot a bipedal um, quasi humanoid looking thing that clearly has yeah. a, a level of intelligence. So if you came across it. Plus, I think most people like myself, if I came across a Bigfoot, again, I'm an open-minded skeptic, right? Like, I'm not saying I believe. I'm saying that anything is possible. And I've been, uh, one of my hobbies is backpacking. I'm a hunter. Uh, I went elk hunting last year uh, in some crazy wilderness. I'm telling you, there's got to be stuff that we've never seen. But that being said, uh, if I saw one, I'd be scared crapless. Like, <laughs> like I'd, I'd be like, I, even with a gun, I'd be like, ah, I'm out of here, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, Josh, you better place that bullet really well, too, because what you need is a gun that'll take down a moose or a right. polar bear, a grizzly or something. Right. Deer bullets and stuff. I mean, again, I guess anybody could place a bullet luckily, you know? Right, sure. But these things weigh 800 or 1,000 or 1,200 pounds, you know? But why, um, why have we never seen one from a natural death, though? Why never a skeleton or bone? or oh, something like that. that. That's a very easy question. Um, for the exact same reason that people don't stumble across naturally dead bear or cougar bones. Um, it just doesn't happen. And I, by the way, the key word there is naturally dead. Right. Natural death. Right. 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 Because when you find a deer or elk or whatever skeletons on the side of the road or you know out in the woods, that's because these things are prey animals or they're, they're roadkill. Um, they're prey animals. Prey animals don't get to choose where they die. But the animals at the top of the food chain, bears and mountain lions and, you know, Sasquatches, they actually get to choose where they die. They just don't know they're going to die at the time. You know, they just feel lousy or they feel really sick. And so they probably hide themselves away in the thickest brush they can find um, close to water. They don't need to eat. Most animals uh, fast while they're ill to try to purge their system of toxins, humans being the exception there. Um, but yeah, so they probably hide. Well, and I say probably, by the way, because believe it or not, no one really studies how animals go through the process of dying. Right. They study what happens after they die. It's called taphonomy. But they don't really study the process of dying with animals. No one's done that yet. That's so what we think happens is that these animals hide themselves away in the thickest brush possible because they're vulnerable at the time. Right. And then one day, instead of getting better, like they have every other time in their life, they die. 
So they literally started out by hiding their body. They just didn't know they were doing it at the time. And within a few hours to a few days, the scavengers move in, start dispersing the body parts, like taking a leg over here and an arm over there because they don't want to share with anybody else. You know, these coyotes and other things, weasels and bears and all those sorts of scavengers start eating the flesh away. The hair is eaten by moths and the bones. The bones are actually eaten by the most plentiful animals in North America, rodents. <laughs> rodents, like yeah. uh, deer mice and, uh, and, and uh, wood rats and, and, and even porcupines. Yeah. And coyotes and deer and elk eat bones. I have a display in my museum, the North American Bigfoot Center, that explains all of this. And I have two photographs on the same display um, of different elk eating bones in the woods. Right. Wow. Yeah, That's fascinating. Uh, calcium is a very rare commodity in North American forests. Um, but they have to get a bunch of it because they're they're making antlers and stuff, so they eat bones. Yeah, that. So I have never heard that explanation before, but it actually makes co- quite logical sense to me. I know that, um, you know, because a predator, if you study predators, they they know when they're vulnerable, and they they're because that's what they do. They prey upon the vulnerable, so they know when they're vulnerable. So it makes sense that they would go to a place. Although I've never heard of a Bigfoot as being necessarily predatorial. That being said, they they obviously, if they exist, you know, probably have a higher level of intelligence. So they don't necessarily have to be a, a meat-eating predator uh, to have that sort of same mentality, you know. Well, they're omnivores. They're, they've been observed hunting deer, but they eat a wide variety of plants. And they've also been observed digging rodents out of hillsides hmm. um, and, kept in, and stealing fish from um, indigenous people's nets. Um, they're, they're definitely omnivores, uh, based on sighting reports, and there are hundreds of sighting reports. Which makes them more like us in terms of oh, yeah, yeah, being the yeah, top sure. of the food chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not all that different at all. Yeah, that's fascinating. Man, I could talk to you for like hours. <laughs> this is fascinating stuff. Um, I can't wait till you guys are at CryptidCon in Lexington. Uh, people can go to CryptidCon.com and you can get uh, information on tickets. Um, which uh, is coming up November 20th and 21st, that you and the whole cast will be there. Um, now, you guys are on, it's Animal Planet and Discovery Channel. I know they're both owned by the same oh, thing. but those are, yeah, Well, Discovery owns Animal Planet as well as about a dozen other networks. Right. But um, we, we recently released a brand new two-hour special about three or four weeks ago. And um, right now, that special is available on Discovery Plus, yeah, Discovery okay. Streaming Service. Thought I saw so it. There. will eventually air on Animal Planet, but there's no. Uh, I have not heard when. That's kind of above my pay grade. Right. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I will encourage people to go and check that out. We hope that we can have you on again, um, maybe on the podcast or something. We can do a little longer form conversation. But uh, I encourage people to. It's going to be fun. It's a fun event, even if you don't believe in this stuff. It's a fun event, and um, you know people need a break from all this stuff that's going on right now. So it'll be good to to actually get out and be around other people and uh, and meet the cast. Oh, it's a blast! I, I go to CryptoCon every year um, if, if I can, if I'm available. And so far, I've been lucky in that way. It's a lot of fun, a lot of great information, a lot of great stuff to look at. Wonderful vendors and great people. So yeah, awesome. I can't recommend it enough. Well, Cliff, thank you so much for your time, and will you come on with us again? Yeah, whatever you want, man. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Cliff Barackman, and it's Finding Bigfoot. You can go to actually cliffbarackman.com. Am I pronouncing your last name right? I mean, I've heard it like I a say thousand. Barrickman, but yeah, I don't Barrickman. Like how you say it. You know, well, it's, like. it's funny because I've I've heard it a thousand times watching the show, but then I just have this thing in my head where I see it, I have to spell it out the way it's written. <laughs> That's terrible. So, <laughs> but it's cliffbarrickman.com. B a r a c k 
M-A-N.com to find out more as well. Thank you so much, man. It was good talking to you. Thank you very much. I All right, brother. It. Talk to you later. So as we said, Cliff Berkman is going to be at CryptidCon in Lexington. My buddy Lee Kirkland uh, is the guy who puts all that together, and it is a fascinating event. Um, they're going to have the entire cast of Finding Bigfoot there, Bobo, all of them. They're all going to be at uh, this year's CryptidCon, which is going to be November 20th through the 21st at Clarion Conference Center North in Lexington, Kentucky. You can get tickets by going to cryptidcon.com. There's where the information is. You can buy tickets right there online. Guys, we've been pent up for over a year now. This will be a fun event in the fall to go to and just actually see other people and maybe see and hear some strange things as well. So check out cryptidcon.com for more information. You can buy tickets there. And thanks to my buddy Lee Kirkland for introducing me and Cliff because uh, Cliff's going to come back on the show again. I really enjoyed that conversation. He did too. So he's going to come back on for a more in-depth conversation about finding Bigfoot. It'll be fun. All right. So, thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They are so awesome. Uh, Tim Montgomery and his crew over there work their butts off to make sure that their customers are happy. And uh, I am one of those customers, and I indeed was happy, uh, have been happy. Twice I used them for our master bath and our kitchen. And uh, if you don't believe me, go to their website and see their work, LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. But I know you believe me because you've probably, if you follow me on social media, you've seen my kitchen before anyway because uh, from Kentucky when before we moved to Colorado because we uh, posted some pictures when it was done. And it's beautiful. And everybody told me it was beautiful. And I just had this really awkward kitchen island. And I was like, dude, I don't know what to do with this. And um, Tim was like, let me take a look at it. So he goes in, takes a look at it, and he fixed it. And then now it, it became a functional island, but it also became beautiful, something we could actually use, something that allowed us to see. It had, like, these levels on it, which was weird, and we couldn't – the kitchen was open to the living room, but you couldn't see anybody because you had these levels of the the bar. It was, it was weird. And he came in and fixed it, customized it, and it turned out wonderful. So I implicitly trust him uh, with my home. Uh, 6200 Hit Lane. Uh, or call 502-930-3304. Talk to George, Kelly, Michelle. They're the designers on staff there. Or just go to LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com. You will not be sorry. And tell them, thank you for supporting the Disruption Zone because they help make all of this possible. All right, thanks to uh, JP Web Design, Dynamics Productions, Audio in uh, Lexington, Kentucky for their help with the program. And to my good-for-nothing lazy never here, uh, co-host and <clears throat> excuse me, co-executive producer Cameron Mills. Find us on social media. It's uh, The Disruption Zone with Leland Conway and Cameron Mills on uh, Facebook. I know that's really long, but that's how they made us do it. Uh, it's also Zone Disruption on Twitter and at Leland Show on Twitter, at Greatly Londo on Instagram, and at The Disruption Zone on Instagram. Free download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spreaker. It is out there for you to consume, share with your friends. Please leave us a good review. That's what helps them push it out to other people. And thank you for listening to The Disruption Zone.